I decided back then I wanted to change. And I started looking at these young children that I had and this beautiful wife and how I wanted to, I had a lot to live for. And I never really had that before family. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. What's up, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Nixon, and my goal of this podcast is to bring on leaders in the world of athletics, coaching, entrepreneurship, and just life in general to try and motivate us all to be better. We shouldn't strive to be millionaires in terms of money, but by the millions of lives that we can impact. If you want to be a guest or have a guest idea that you would like to hear from, then shoot me an email at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you like this episode. Then head over to our social media and give us a follow on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast, Twitter at Roughnecks Pod C1, Facebook at Roughnecks Podcast. And then don't forget to subscribe to the Roughnecks YouTube channel as well. As always, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Let's get into this week's episode. everybody welcome back to another episode of the rough next podcast this is episode 50 and we are approaching the one year mark on this podcast on last week's episode for some reason i said the one year anniversary was on the 25th of september but it's on the 21st of september not sure why i did that i know when it is but for some reason i just messed it up so it's the 21st of september you guys will have a bonus episode it is a tuesday i believe it is a Bonus episode with me and Teddy, who originally started this, Texan Teddy, actually, um, speaking of Texas, which we have a Texas guy on here today. But to kick off the month of September, I have a super cool guest joining me today, a man that has a lot of titles, but you probably best know him as Granger Smith's tour manager, Chris Lee. Welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. What's up, Cole? Good to be on here, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know these are your few days off, so you guys don't have a whole lot of time off during tour season, touring season, and it gets busy. So I appreciate you taking some time out of your day, time out of your night, away from your family to do this episode with me. It really does mean a lot. Yeah, of course, man. I'm I'm happy and honored to be here. I I had uh, I coach football when I'm at home, and we had football practice tonight. And uh, like guys, I got to get out of here. I got <laughs> I got a, a good podcast to get on tonight. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so to kick off the episode, like I do all my episodes, I allow the guests to give a little background on who they are. So tell the Roughnecks listeners who Chris Lee is. Yeah. Um, so I'm a tour manager for Granger Smith, which is and Earl Dibbles Jr. I like to point that out because Those you can tour manage one people. person. They're not. No, they're completely different people. Uh, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I tour manage both of these artists. Um, I only get paid for tour managing one of them which i've pushed that for eight years on on getting a second paycheck for the other uh the alter ego but especially because yeah, earl's a handful he's not easy to handle yeah you know earl's got a tough schedule he's always leaving dip cans around and and bush light and uh <laughs> yeah it's a it's a tough job just just tour managing earl but um yeah that's how i pay the bills 
And uh, I do a little bit of, you know, video comedy on the side. But uh, most of my time is uh, spent tour managing uh, Mr. Granger. So like you said, you're Granger Smith's tour manager, but you do a little video comedy on the side. And that's what I want to talk about first is, you know, there's a lot more to people, to you than people may realize. I mean, you make a good amount of appearances on his YouTube channel, The Smiths, but you also- unavoidable. Oh yeah, because I mean, he always has his camera in his hand, it seems like. Yeah. But yeah, I get out of the bunk and a camera's in my face. You know, that's, <laughs> that's life. Just trying to take a nap and it's just, can't even do that. <laughs> exactly. So, but you got Chris Gaines comedy. Tell us a little bit where, like where that came from, where the idea to start Chris Gaines comedy started. So um, I'm going to try to give you the shortened version, but um, I started my YouTube channel a couple years ago as a, a weightlifting channel, uh, weightlifting and weightlifting motivation. And it was fun and everything, but I, I always felt weird about videoing myself lifting weights in the gym because I, I can't stand. It's a pet peeve to see people who are just too busy on their, their phones and their cameras in the weight room. And it's like, Hey, we're, we're here to work, right? We're here to lift weights mm -hmm. and make gains and everything. So I was kind of getting over that portion of the, um, and I was trying to keep it light and make it funny and everything, but I was kind of getting, that part was kind of getting old. Um, about that time, uh, COVID, I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, uh, happened. not in today's yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, 2000, 2020 uh, happened. And I, I kind of reassessed my channel. And I, like a lot of people, first off, you know, we were one of the first industries to go. You know, they live music, that's mass gatherings by definition. And they shut us down pretty quick. So like a lot of people, I was, I was kind of looking for a purpose. And I wanted to do something to contribute in a positive manner to the world. And I don't have any medical background, so uh, I couldn't come up with a vaccine then. Um, and I don't have any military background, uh, so, I couldn't, so I couldn't help out, out there. So um, I started thinking about it, and I thought, man, I just want to make the world smile. You know, as cliche and as weird as that sounds, like, I, I want to do something to make people laugh because I, I know there's a lot of people in this world right now, like me, that are at home, out of work, and they're either going to watch Tiger King, which was amazing, <laughs> uh, or they're going to scroll through YouTube, and maybe I can bring a few laughs to a few, a few folks. So I started, uh, I changed Chris Gaines to Chris Gaines Comedy Channel. And so I've done strictly nothing but uh, comedy. And of course, some stuff isn't funny at all but i still consider it comedy um but yeah that's how i that's how i got into that yeah it's funny that you said something because i was on your youtube channel today looking at some stuff and i can't yeah. i didn't see it originally but i came across the covid19 song i think is what it was called <laughs> wow and i could not help but laugh if you guys have not heard this please go listen you will get a good laugh out of it definitely worth the listen it's on his youtube channel chris gaines comedy definitely go check it out but how long did that take you to write that? Man, that was like any, I've, I've made a living, you know, with these, these Earl Dibbles Jr. songs and everything. And uh, well, I wouldn't say made a living. I've made beer money, <laughs> with these Earl songs. But uh, these silly songs seem to come so naturally uh, to, to me and, and to Granger, I think as well. Uh, so I don't know, 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> 
there's plenty of things to write about at that time. That's back when COVID was kind of funny, right? It's like, oh, this, this COVID thing, you know, it sucks. People are dying and they're getting sick, but you know, we're, we're getting a check from the government and Tiger King's on and everybody's staying at home and everybody's drinking wine on my street and they're working from home now. It's like, you know, this is kind of cool. Yeah, it was it's it was a hilarious thing. I wish I'd have saw it during COVID because I mean I would have just lost it. But it's really cool because you also do something on your YouTube channel now where you're doing like a I think you call it tour manager vlog or something along those yeah. lines where you right. kind of give a behind the scenes of what it's like a day in the life as a tour manager. But it's also you're still having the comedy in it. That's what I love about your YouTube sure. channel is it's it's you. You're not trying to be anybody you're not, and it's just funny. So what made you decide? You know what? We're gonna continue with uh, and basically start a whole another series on my YouTube channel with the mm -hmm. tour manager vlog. Yeah. So the vlog thing, it took me a while to understand that people like seeing someone else just live their life day to day. And I could not wrap my head around it. I'm not someone and nothing against the Smiths <laughs> or, or risky business, any of those guys, any of my fellow vloggers out there. But um, it took me a while to get a hold of people want to see other people live their life. And then I realized as crazy as it sounded at the time, I'm in a very, I hold a job. That's a very small percentage of, of people. There's just, you don't meet a ton of tour managers for a country music artist. And so I thought, well, people may want to see what we do. They may want to hear these conversations. They want, may want to see some of the behind the scenes stuff of, of what it takes to put on a country music concert and all the little funny things that go on, the banter between the band and the crew and the artist and the fan interaction, everything. Um, so yeah, that's, I started doing the vlog and, you know, tried to peel back the curtain a little bit and, and show a little bit of, uh, uh, what we do on the road. I think that's something that you guys over at Yee do so well is you guys have so many different behind the scenes. Like you guys have the Granger Smith podcast, the Smith's mm -hmm. YouTube channel, Yee podcast, Chris Gaines comedy, Risky Business with Butch and Bull. Like, and those are all their separate things, but you right. get it behind the scenes of everything. And I think that's where people, because you guys have a very loyal fan base to Yee. Almost, Absolutely. I feel like sometimes it may be more of a fan base to Yee than Granger. Nothing against Granger, but like no. it's like, or Yee's definitely helped Granger. I feel like, and it's something that you, I think it gave a connection, and people no. love to see it. I mean, you guys have, I saw on the Smiths, uh, girls that come to like every concert. They've been to like eighty some Granger concerts or something crazy, which they've gone to more Granger concerts of a singular artist than mm -hmm. most people will go to. 95% of people will go through their entire life, yeah, but it, it builds a whole fan base, loyal fan base behind it. And it's just really cool right. to see the tour manager side, but take me through a little bit, the tour manager, give me like a day in the life of a tour manager. Like what is like a normal day like for you? Um, well, there are no, no normal days. <laughs> As we <laughs> just discussed a little bit before this episode. <laughs> right. Right. Each one is a little bit different, but, um, you know what? That's a big reason why I took this job uh, to uh, to kind of break the monotony and and to have different things and different obstacles uh, in every day. But um, a, kind of a day in the life it, on a normal day, and there's not anything crazy that happens. Uh, you know, I generally get up uh, about six or seven in the morning. I'll read the Bible for about half an hour, and Granger and I, and sometimes our guitar player John Marlin will hit the gym about nine a.m. 
We'll go to the gym for about an hour. We'll come back. We'll start loading in our gear at about 10 a.m. Uh, and then we'll sound check about one or two o'clock. And about after the sound check time, that's kind of office hours for me. So while I'm doing everything in the morning and I'm doing my tour manager duties, you know, whatever uh, the day entails for that, uh, that's kind of my office time. That's where I um, respond to calls and emails and, and get all that good stuff set up. Um, we start getting ready for meet and greet. We generally do meet and greets anywhere from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on any given day, depending on the schedule. Um, lining up dinner, I generally do a security meeting an hour before doors open for the concert. And then it's meet and greet time. And before that, it's kind of show prep, getting ready for the show. Generally, we go on as early as 8 o'clock, as late as 1030, depending on the venue, depending on the city. Uh, we do the show. And I get paid at the end of the night, not personally, but in a roundabout way. Yeah, uh, I get paid for the camp. I settle up. Um, I make sure everybody is good on the production end. Um, and that's it. I'll get to bed about as early as midnight, as late as 3 a.m. and get up and do it the next day. It's crazy. Like you guys, it's just like, it's normal to you guys to have that type of schedule. Did it take a little bit of getting adjusted to when you first started getting into this type of business? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I came from a corporate background and that was very much a 7 a.m. in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon grind. Um, I wore slacks and a button up shirt every day. So it's a little different than complete, what you uh, wear now, nowadays. Right, right. Uh, drinking on the job then was discouraged <laughs> strongly by HR. And now it's almost kind of encouraged by the band. So it's almost yeah, like you probably don't have much of a choice. Right, right. It's like you're taking a shot, Chris. Come on, showtime. So what exactly, like, how did you get into being a tour manager? Like what put, like, where did this whole uh, career choice where you come from, I guess. So I was working as a district manager at a textile company in Nashville. And I moved to Nashville back uh, same time Granger did. That's when we uh, uh, really became great friends in the early 2000s. And so he was playing little nightclubs and uh, doing these little acoustic shows. And I was playing with him on some of them whenever I could. But he ended up after two years moving back to Texas to finish, finish his degree and start playing, start putting down some roots and, and playing in Texas. And so I stayed in Nashville. Um, I ended up sticking with this company and kind of working my way up and getting married, having uh, three kids in Nashville. And I got to a point I'd been with this company for about 16 years and I'd worked my way up really as high as I was going to go. It was a, it was a great job. It was a family owned business and I wasn't going to get any higher than, than I was. And there was a specific moment for me where we have this yearly awards ceremony and the big award is the district manager of the year. And it's, it's split between seven different branches across the Southeast. And I'd won it a couple of times before. And I'm not bragging on myself. I was a product of a, um, a booming town in Nashville. So we had a lot of new business coming in. And so I was able to, to uh, parlay that into some, some good stuff in this position. So I won my third one 
And I remember leaving after giving a little speech and thinking, man, this is just so empty. You know, this is not fulfilling anymore. And I went home and I said a prayer. I'm a man of faith. And I said, God, if you want me to continue to be a district manager, I'll be one, but give me some peace about it. You know, make me, make me feel okay with this and I'll be the best district manager for a textile company that I possibly can, but give me some kind of peace. And so my prayer was answered in the form of a phone call about two weeks later, Granger calls me up. At this point, we were still writing songs on Zoom or Skype or whatever we had back. I think it was Skype at the time. But uh, he calls me up and he said, and he had made this offer before. He said, hey, man, things are going great down here. I want you to move down here and be my tour manager. And in the past, we'd kind of laughed it off. And uh, like, man, that, you know, that, that's funny, you know, uprooting my family, um, giving up my 401k job with benefits and moving down to Texas and being your tour manager, riding on a bus or van at the time. Yeah. And so um, I kind of stepped away from the conversation and I told Allison about it, my wife. And I said, Al, you know, I just talked to Granger and he offered me this tour manager position again. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? I think you should take it. And my wife loves living in Tennessee is still fighting me eight years later to move back to Tennessee. (laughs) She absolutely loved Nashville. We, we raised three of our kids there or they were at least born there. And uh, like, really, you think so? She said, there's something different this time. There's a light in your eye that, that, that was not in your eye before when this offer came about. I said, okay, well, you know, let's pray about it. And we did. And I got on the phone, we worked out some numbers with Granger and his brother, Tyler, and uh, uh, pulled the trigger, you know, packed the family up and we moved a thousand miles down here to central Texas. And that was eight years ago. And, you know, at the time it was a definitely a roll of the dice, but uh, I I trusted God had a plan. Mm -hmm. And this plan was telling me I needed to move down and be this guy's tour manager. And it's worked out great. You know, he's built a nice little career. Uh, we've, um, uh, you know, developed some roots here and, and are raising a nice little family. And, you know, I look back, if I would have stayed with the old company, I'd, I'd probably still be miserable. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause we've, I've, I've looked at people, I just graduated college and, you know, I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And like, mm-hmm. I have a job, but it's not what I want to do the rest of my life. And people have, when they told me, like, when you find that job, like you're going to work mm-hmm. a few OZM jobs that you don't like, but you're eventually going to come to a point when you find that job that you love. And it's yeah. going to, it might take a minute. And like, cause I look at, my dad has told me, he's honestly said like, you know, I've been miserable at my job for 40 years. Mm-hmm. He's like, I loved it at first, but like, then things change. And like, he's like, don't do what I did don't get stuck because he's about to retire now. So he's like, there's no point in me trying to leave and go somewhere else. He's like, I'm just going to finish it out to retirement. But he, that's what the things he told me, like, don't get stuck. And that's kind of like what you're stuck speaking of. Like if you'd have stayed there, you almost would have felt stuck in a way too. For and, sure. And it's crazy how, you know, you win an award and you feel nothing from it. Mm-hmm. Like that's usually, that's like the sign from God telling you, like maybe it is time to start exploring those other options. Yeah. But I will say on a little looser note off of that, 
Right. Of all the band and crew and everything, I think you have the best style. But the one <laughs> okay. question I have to ask is what is that? You always wear cutoffs. It is just your thing. It is always cutoffs. You got one on right now. Why the cutoffs? You know, it's the comfort thing for me. Um, and you're not the first to point that out <laughs> at all, but it's a comfort thing for me. Yeah, honestly, a lot of times I'll start the, and I get flack from Granger sometimes. I'll, I'll show up to sound check with cutoff shirts and he's like, man, put some sleeves on. For goodness sake, be professional. But uh, today, you know, I had my first workout this morning at uh, 6 a.m. And from there, it was like, workout, take the kids to school go run errands, do this, do that. And we got football practice and now here we are. And it's like, I haven't changed. You know, this, I put this on at five o'clock this morning and I just haven't had it. I'm sorry. I didn't get dressed up for your, uh, your it's, podcast. It's part. fine. Obviously I'm not, I'm wearing gym shorts. If that makes you feel any better. I just, uh, I it just does. Do it. It's like one of it those does. like COVID things when they have the work on in their on zoom and stuff and everybody's not wearing yeah. pants. Right. <laughs> That's my thing. Why do I have to look nice on it? You're not seeing that part of it. So who cares? That's right. That's right. But, yeah, it's, but, I love the. If you look at my closet, and I get teased about this all the time. It's like sleeveless black shirts <laughs> all the way down the closet. Mm-hmm. I like how it feels, man. If I put sleeves on, it's just it feels so constricting. That's how I used to feel. I ended up switching, like kind of changing once I went to college. But like when I was in high mm-hmm. school and stuff, it was always like I always wanted a sleeveless on. It just it is more comfortable, even in the winter mm-hmm. and stuff. My, my house, we had a wood, my parents' house had a wood burning stove. Yeah, hotter than hell in the freaking mm-hmm. winter time to the point where it's like three degrees outside and we have windows open because our house is just so hot that I I'm used to wearing sleeveless all the time. And it is a comfort thing. Yeah, for sure. But I got to ask for a funny tour bus story. One that you're Mm -hmm. allowed to say on air. Give me something that, because that is one of the questions I put on my story, my personal story today. Any questions for Chris Lee? One of the ones was give me a funny touring story. Yeah, uh, man, there's a lot I can't tell you. <laughs> I believe I'll that. say that, but one I can tell you, and I'm I'm not proud of this. Um, I told it on one of my podcasts before, so I guess I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you have more listeners, I'm sure, M- many more. Um, so there was a an incident. I'll, I'll call it a learning experience. Might, might be the best way to preface this. But we were in just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, in yeah, the middle my roots, of winter. My roots. Yeah, yeah, buddy. So it was oh, West middle Lake of winter. Area. So you guys got that snow and stuff too. Yes, we had snow. We, you know, a bunch of Texans in the snow were like, well, "What the hell is this? What's this white stuff coming out of the sky?" <laughs> so we're in Westlake, Ohio, parked in a mall parking lot, and um, I was in a in the bus. So basically, our artist bus is myself, Granger, and at the time it was Paul, our videographer. Well, both of those guys flew home. So I was there with four for four days. So I was on this bus by myself in Westlake, Ohio. Uh, it's snowing like crazy. And I am not a drug person. Uh, I don't smoke weed. There's nothing against people that do. I think it's awesome. I've seen it do some wonderful things for people, both in a medicinal sense and a uh, behavioral sense. But it's, it's just not for me. I'm a Jack Daniels person or IPA. You know, that, that's it. Those are my vices. So I had a really tough time sleeping one night and I'm on this bus by myself. I'm like, man, I think I've got some gummies that one of our band guys gave me a long time ago. And let me just, let me just try one of those. 
see if he can get me to cool down. Cause I tried them before and it was just, it was kind of nice. Got me to sleep. And so I tried a gummy and um, at first, you know, like those things take a while to kick in. So I felt mm -hmm. fine. I wasn't mixing alcohol with it or anything, but all of a sudden I noticed I was watching on the bus by myself, MTV videos, like from the nineties. And I noticed this particular video that I was watching seemed to be going on for about 20 minutes. And anyone that has been under the influence can tell you time seems to drag on, right? Like you're fixated on something. You're like, oh my God, how long have I been doing this? <laughs> so I was having, I started having that feeling. I'm like, Oh man, I, I think I'm, I think I'm getting messed up here. And so I start kind of revving myself up. So I hear the bus it just sounds incredibly loud, like the generator. And it is kind of loud because it's winter and it's working extra hard to heat the bus and everything. But I start hearing this, this generator just going crazy. And I'm thinking, oh man, this bus is going to blow up. This bus is going to blow up and burn to the ground. And I'm going to die here in this small parking lot in Westlake, Ohio. Maybe so not the place ideally to die. Yeah. And I love Ohio, but you know, I picture myself in a warm bread, warm bed in East Texas or something. You know? <laughs> so I start getting more and more revved up. So I start packing my stuff. Like I got to get off the bus before it explodes. And all the while I'm, I keep working myself up and I swear I start hearing my heartbeat. And again, anyone that has, had a bad experience with this. This is evidently something that happens. <laughs> I start hearing my heartbeat and I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. So I stopped packing all my clothes up, all my sleeveless shirts <laughs> and I leave the bus and it's just white across this parking lot. It's like midnight. It's white across this parking lot. And there's nowhere to go. It's like the hotel is a good 200 yard walk. Like I'm not going to make it there. So I said, I got to go over to this other bus and get some help from these guys. And so I go over to the next bus. It's right next door. I fling it open. I throw myself on the floor and I say, you guys got to help me. I'm having a heart attack. And I look up and there's Todd, our guitar player, asleep with his head back. Dusty, our drummer, is sitting there watching some kind of cartoon. And I joke a lot, if you can't tell, you know, <laughs> with the comedy channel. So these guys think I'm playing around and they're like, ah, that's hilarious. I'm like, guys, I'm serious. Call 911. I'm having a heart attack. And so they're trying to talk me out of it. I tell them what's happened. I took a gummy and they're like, dude, I'm, I'm certain I'm having a heart attack. So they finally, they called 911. Todd's trying to get the ambulance there. And if you've ever talked to Todd, our guitar player, he's like the most relaxed, cool guy of all time, but he's trying to give these very, very vague directions. He's like, Oh yeah, I think we're behind the giant supermarket. And, uh, I'm like, no, Todd, no, we're next to five guys, burgers, <laughs> You're getting it wrong. You know, I, I keep working myself, working myself up. Finally, the ambulance gets there. Uh, the paramedics come up and by this time, all the band and crew is on the bus with me. So there's like 15 people surrounding me. And I'm like on all fours on the floor of this bus thinking I'm about to die in front of these people. And I'm like, man, you guys got to get me to the hospital. And I, I remember thinking, I know these paramedics are great. 
but I also know they don't get paid nearly enough to be medical doctors. They need to get me the hell out of here. And so I convinced everyone, my wife's on FaceTime too. Like someone had FaceTime my wife. She's like, Chris, what's going on? And I'm like, I got to go to the hospital. They end up taking me to the hospital. And it's two days before my health insurance kicked in. We all just got health insurance. Two days before my health insurance got kicked in. I get there, uh, I get all settled down and I start coming in the realization that I'm an idiot <laughs> for what I just did. And for not just sticking it through drinking water like you're supposed to do. And uh, yeah, the doctor said, look, you, you just had a panic attack, buddy. You're, you're fine. This is going to get out of your system. You're going to be okay. And I was trying to convince the doctor that I don't normally do drugs. Cause that was something I was proud of at the time. Like I just let you know, I don't, do drugs. I had a workout and then I had a cheat meal and I think my insulin levels were spiked. And I think it just hit me extra hard because of this. Meanwhile, I look down and I'm wearing a Snoop Dogg shirt. Oh, trying to convince this guy. It's my first time to ever smoke weed or (laughs) take a gummy. So, uh, $8,000, $8,500 later, I left the hospital and, uh, I just got that paid off. That was almost two years ago. <laughs> oh, so, oh, the Snoop Dogg shirt definitely did not help your case. No, 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 not at all. He that was, doctor he was, was probably sitting there it. like, yeah, okay, buddy, if you say yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, a band guy that lives on a bus. It's your first time to do drugs. I got it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, too, about you have a very important job at these concerts as well, where you throw Granger mm-hmm. a flag. Yeah. How catch the flag. You catch the flag? Yeah, I remember exactly how it works. There's different antics. I throw him a guitar. That's what that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. So you throw the guitar. How how much practice did you guys do, or did it just come natural? It just came it just came natural. You know, I I like to play cornhole. Um, so I think that helps. That's a big deal at the E farm, apparently, too. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are really serious about that. They got like their own league, but uh, yeah, it's not a whole lot of practice. It's uh, there was another guy, Frank Maglin that used to run our monitors that did it before. And so when he left, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. It sounds like fun. So it kind of became a thing where it's almost a challenge to make a good throw every night. And uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun with it. Have you ever actually had an experience where it didn't quite, go as planned absolutely yeah we've had uh probably three times where i missed the throw or he missed the catch or the throw back to me more often than not it's the throw back mm-hmm. and nothing against him but he's just <laughs> kind of recklessly tossing it back like he'll get it you know it's earl throwing a damn guitar <laughs> whereas me i'm like i'm gonna hit him right there you know, I'm testing the wind <laughs> or the throw and make, make sure it, you know, it gets there in the right place. But yeah, we've had, we've had a few bad instances. Um, one in particular, we were on the Luke Bryan tour and their tour manager convinced me instead of throwing the guitar, he had this big like catfish pillow he got from Bass Pro Shop. And this thing was huge. And he convinced me instead of the guitar, it'd be funny to throw that catfish pillow. In, in front of 25,000 people. I'm like, that is a really good idea. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. And so I launched this damn catfish and it went over his head by like five feet and just landed in the crowd. 
and I, I was an idiot, you know, <laughs> cameras, everybody sees me on the video wall standing there as the guy who made a bad throw. <laughs> um, but the other thing too, is you got the flag that you come through and take a lot of times, but I will say right. from the videos that I believe it's Paul or whoever else also makes the videos too. Mm-hmm. Those videos, like it makes for some sweet videos of when you guys have that whole connect. It's like you guys have your own little connection with the the throw and the, like you throw them beers or bring them out beers and stuff too. It's yeah. kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know if it's something to just keep me occupied during the show, but uh, yeah, we have a, f- a few antics. It's you know, the I'll grab the flag when he's done waving it and then run off with it in a dramatic fashion. Um, <laughs> And then we have the guitar toss and then I'll throw him some waters on a few places. And then I have a, a part during the show now where I actually bring a beer out to him and I'll try to act like it's a magic trick or I'll give him a water first and then I'll have the beer behind my back and then I'll switch it real quick. And yeah, you know, anything we can do to kind of spice up the show a little bit. Another thing that you have going off of, you got Chris Gaines, you got everything, but you and your wife also have a podcast called purple house. Now yeah. this is interesting to me because she's a Democrat and you are a Republican mm-hmm. and you guys are married. And that's something yeah. in today's world that honestly you don't see as much anymore. I feel like, or at least you don't hear about. And yeah. I give you props first off, because it's one of those where I wish more people were like you guys where, you know, yes, obviously you can't necessarily just completely set it aside, but mm-hmm. there, is, there does come a point when you do need to set it aside. Sure. What, where did the idea for the podcast start? I mean, I'm pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. It definitely makes an interesting podcast, but what uh, made you guys want to do it? So yeah, Granger have, has known Allison and I basically since we started dating uh, in the early two thousands. And so he's seen the banter back and forth, you know, on Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. So he's always found that entertaining. And we were at an airport one day and he said, he said, Hey man, I got an idea for you. You and Allison should start doing, making these videos where you're arguing different political points, but you do it in a gigantic purple shirt and you both get in the shirt or he didn't even say purple. You just both get in a shirt and both your heads are through the neck holes and each arm is through one side of the shirt. He said, that way you have to stay in the shirt and battle it out because when we start these arguments, you know, it's like somebody leaves the room, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody's always going to walk out and he's thrown a lot of ideas my way over the years. And I thought (laughs) that's actually really good. That's pretty good. So we tried it and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. You know, I'll tell you what though, the purple house, like that is the perfect name for it too. Like it is something that is so simple yet. I feel like no one would have actually, I don't know how I, no one thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a rare thing, probably, you know, for uh, people of opposite ends of the spectrum that get not only get along so well, but are, are married and mm-hmm. procreated children with it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy when you say it out loud. But I got a few questions that I like to ask all my guests. The first yeah. one is, who is your biggest inspiration? Or my grandfather. Who, or what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, very, very simple. Uh I was adopted at the age of two months by my biological grandparents. And so I was raised uh, with a very old fashioned uh, set of morals, I feel like. And 
my grandfather was a wonderful, he's been gone for three years now, but he was a wonderful, wonderful God fearing man. And he tried to instill a lot of great values in me. I don't know if he succeeded, but he definitely tried. And uh, man, he's, he's my hero. And that's a, I mean, it's a lot of people too. Like that, it is crazy. We just talked last episode about what, you know, an older figure, a father, a grandfather, or like a mentor, a coach, what they can do to you at a young age, they can help shape you and help show you those morals between right and wrong. And I'm not saying that a lot of it is parents, but you, I didn't realize how much I am my parents until I got like older. Cause then you realize like, your morals are their morals. If you're close, like not, you don't even have to be super close with your family, but when you're around them, you shape into who they are in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely found that was the case more when I started having kids mm-hmm. and I started hearing uh, myself say the same things that I heard from my grandfather growing up. I'm like, Whoa, who, who am I becoming? <laughs> yeah. I got, I got three older siblings that all have yeah. kids and it's funny because I'll say something. I'm like, you sound just like mom or you sound just like that. And they're like, shut up. And I'm like, I'm just saying it. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but another one that I like to ask, and it's one of my favorites, is if you could go back in time and tell 16-year-old Chris Lee something, one thing, what would it be? That's a great question, Cole. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, living with no regrets. And there's oftentimes where I'll, I'll think, man, should have taken baseball more seriously, you know, should have stayed with it, should have gone to college and played and everything and should have left music alone. But at the same time, I look at the domino effect of what those decisions at 16 year old made and what it's transpired into. And it's, it's worked its way into this career with Granger to this, marriage with this beautiful woman to these four amazing children uh, sitting here on a podcast with you. And it's hard for me to go back and want to change any of those things. But I I think for just a common sense um, thing to go back and tell a 16 year old me is just to, to stop worrying about what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen the next day and, and live in the present live in the present day and enjoy the people around you, you know, and, and water and feed these friendships and these relationships that you have and, uh, you know, appreciate them while you have them. I think as a 16 year old, most of us don't look at the world that way. And now as a 43 year old, it's so easy to see so clear to see that. Yeah. I I like it's something similar along that as I, when I was grad, when I graduated college, you know, you always get the, well, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Like everybody asked mm-hmm. that. I finally got to the point where I said, you know, cause I was so worried. Oh, what, what am I going to do? Like mm-hmm. now I have all this debt. I need a good paying job. I'm going to have to start paying like all this stuff. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? You're going to figure it out. Yeah. Like you're not going to be lost forever. You're going to figure something right. out. And it just the whole, like kind of take things in too. And I looked at, cause I remember in high school, I never, you know, you never think about it in high school about right. taking, slowing down and looking at things. And then I remember in college, there was one football game. It was, it happened to be my last game. Didn't know it was going to be my last game. Cause our last one got canceled thanks to the whole COVID-19 thing. But we mm-hmm. were sitting there, we were up big and me and another senior were sitting on the bench and we just, I just looked at him and I said, can you believe it's about over? 
And like mm. it, it, me and him just sat there and just kind of just took everything in. And yeah. I was like, I realized that too. Like once you get older, you start to really start to take things in. And I'm only 23 years old, but I'm mm-hmm. already starting to see like how you need to appreciate those things, like those friendships, those memories and all that kind of stuff, because they disappear real quick. Absolutely. Now you're wise beyond your years. Well, honestly, this podcast helps a lot because I have a yeah. lot of people on here who say similar things and then I, I like starts to click. And that's one thing I think I yeah. said last week or two weeks ago where I was like, you know, when people start saying things and you hear it over and over again from multiple different people, maybe in a different mm-hmm. way, you might want to listen to it because it's probably right. important. These people are older and wiser than you and know, like I've been through it. So I've started yeah. this podcast has been a very beneficial thing to me myself. So it's yeah, uh, it's very beneficial. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm wiser, but definitely older. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my old man says as well. (laughs) But now it is time for my favorite segment of this podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the Roughnecks guests to give our Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump. Our episodes come out at 7 a.m. Eastern time, so they could be on their way to the gym, on the way to work, whatever it is. What do you got for Motivation Monday? For Motivation Monday, I'm going to touch on the gym stuff because that's that's very, very important to me. Um, I'm a firm, I've become a firm believer in physical fitness and I haven't always been. Uh, you can look at photos of me from 10 years ago and I had a beer, I had a big beer gut. Now I just have a smaller beer gut, but, uh, I didn't have, I didn't want to wear sleeveless shirts. I'll tell you that much. Cause I had small arms and everything, but I decided back then I wanted to change. And I started looking at these young children that I had and this beautiful wife and how I wanted to, I had a lot to live for. And I never really had that before family, but I started looking at those things. And so I made a commitment. So for my gym folks out there that are maybe kind of dabbling in and out of the weight room and can't see the person that they're going to be five years from now, if they stay with it, I'm just asking you to stick with it. Don't give up. And maybe this translates into business or relationships but commit yourself. You know, the old adage, if you get 1% better over a hundred days, you're a hundred percent better. I know that's very, very cliche. And it sounds like something Hayden from Yee Apparel would say, actually, but it's true. I'm a firm believer in that. So uh, yeah, don't, don't waste it, man. If you're, if your idea is to become the most physically fit person that you can, if your idea is to become the best boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or the best tour manager, whatever it is, don't go at it 20%. Make that who you are. You know, you, you're, you're writing your own story with God's, you know, overbearing hand as well. I'm a firm believer in, but create your own story. And if, if you want to change yourself, don't just dabble in it, you know, immerse yourself in it. Go to the gym six days a week. Make yourself stay there for hour and a half as opposed to 45 minutes. Yeah, I like that. And that's something, too, that you spoke on that 
it's basically our slogan for this podcast is grab the bull by the horns. And what we mean by that is, you know, the bull is life and we're the bull rider and that that bull's going to knock you down. You're going to get knocked down. That's life. But you're either going to lay there and let that bull of life walk all over you, or you're going to get up and grab the bull by the horns, which I know I get some slack on this people, my brother-in-law and everybody else gives me crap. They're like, you don't actually grab a bull by the horns. And I'm like, you know what? It's besides the point. Everybody gets the story, but you got to get up and grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life because you, no one else is going to help you take control of your life besides yourself. That's right. So You can't sit there and wait for somebody else to do it. And if you're going to do something, why do it at 20%? Like you said, like why, why go 20% when you know you have hundred percent to give and only you is going to, you're the only one who is going to know if you're actually giving your all because there's one person you cannot lie to on this earth. And it is yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, so that I love that motivation Monday. And it, like you said, it can translate from more than just working out in the gym. It can be business. It can be relationship. It can be friendship, anything, any type of thing. It, it can translate over into those things. And that's what I love about yeah. this podcast. People that I bring in from different areas of life, different perspectives. Yeah. They may be talking about like last week, I had somebody who owns a gym. He may have been talking more strictly about the gym, but it translates to somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur or somebody yeah. who is doing classwork or something so it it, everything translate and you can look at things in many different ways yeah for sure but with that that is a wrap on episode 50 of the roughnecks podcast thank you so much chris lee for being on the broadcast i truly appreciate it where can people follow you chris Gaines comedy purple house all of your stuff on social media or youtube or whatever yeah, so YouTube, it's Chris Gaines, and that's G-A-I-N-Z, not to be confused with Chris Gaines, the Garth Brooks alter ego. My goal ultimately is to surpass him in, in Google searches. So you search Chris Gaines, you see me in North, not Garth Brooks. It's not going so well currently, but I'm working, <laughs> I'm working towards that. So Chris Gaines comedy there. Um, also, Chris Gaines on TikTok. Uh, Chris Lee Country on Instagram and Chris Gaines with a Z on Facebook. Don't be sure to go subscribe, follow him. Um, I was going to ask something now. Oh, TikTok. Are you better than Parker at TikTok? Cause Parker apparently is the one that's the hot shot in the office and yeah. everything. Are you better than Parker? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. He, Parker has, has definitely found his niche in, and TikTok, and uh, I mean, you just look at the views. You know, he's in the 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 uh, followers. He's he's kicking my ass on, it, on TikTok. TikTok but, is crazy. It's a weird algorithm, and I yeah, it's hard for people to understand. I don't understand. I, I've put so many videos out, and I can have a video here, the King's Gambit, where I spent hours and hours working and videoing and writing out a script and creating tracks um a whole symphony arrangement to make this a a three and ultimately i was doing it for a comedy festival but i worked so hard to make this damn video and it did eh, okay and then i'll write a randall wyatt bit for tiktok that lasts a minute and i'm drinking beer and talk speaking about country music at a bar and it gets a 200,000 views. I mean, it makes no sense though. That's what we talked about with Justin from Hunting Wolves podcast. He talked like, you know, the videos that we think are awesome 
never do good for some reason. The videos that we think suck are the ones that for some reason go viral. It makes zero sense, but we just keep putting content out. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But like I I haven't said this, but we are not done with Granger's employees yet. I am actually yeah. recording an episode tomorrow that will come out at the end of this month with Butch and Bull of Rus- Risky Business. Chris spends a lot of time working with them through on the road to make sure everything goes smoothly. But the Roughneck sale is coming up. I officially have dates. We will have merch on sale from Sunday, September 26th to Saturday, October 2nd. Be sure to make a purchase on some Roughnecks merch. But until next week, you guys know the deal. Like we talked about in this episode, life is hard and is going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rat. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Until next week, Roughnecks out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and then also subscribe to the Roughnecks YouTube channel. If you want to be a guest or have a guest that you would like to hear from, then shoot me an email at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com or message me on social media on Instagram at roughneckspodcast or Twitter at roughneckspodc1 or Facebook at roughneckspodcast. Life is hard and will knock you down like a bull. Don't lay there and let it run you over. Get up. Grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Till next week, Roughnecks out. Oh, thank you.